Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to your weekly dose of shock therapy brought to you by the Say It Again Network. Tyler Lawrence and with me is my co-host Zach Alfers. No win feels quite as sweet as a Raiders win, except maybe a Raiders win on Monday night football. Yeah. Let's go, man. So stoked. That was so huge, Like especially because it's the Raiders, right? LA ha- the, L- the Raiders' presence in LA has been... It's so strong, and you saw it on the Monday night game. They showed out, and to be able to quiet a crowd like that, to quiet a fan base as rowdy and ridiculous as the Raider Nation is, so good, feels so good. And most importantly, we're 3-1 and one and the leading team in the AFC West. It's unbelievable. It was a big, big win for the Bolts. I know you look at the, the stadium, right, and it's still packed with Raiders fans. We know the Raiders fans travel very well. Uh, They got the entire California market really to themselves. I know we got the Rams, the 49ers up north, but no fan base travels as well as the Raiders. And to send them home quiet after a a win in prime time, like this is when you want to do it. And the Chargers really showed out. We look like a legit team, a force to be reckoned with. Well, and it's we've talked about it. It seems every year about the Chargers, right? This is the most talented roster we've ever put together. And now we have the coaching and the organization and, and the team. Um, and it's not just talented players. It, it takes a whole organization and it's it's starting to come together. You could see it come, you know, taking, you know, coming to shape in front of our eyes. It, it's so exciting to be a Chargers fan. Like it really is. And it's so refreshing. Yes. No more of these just crazy bonehead mistakes that are costing you the game. It feels good, man, to be a, a Chargers fan today. Well, and there's no other fan base, right, that deserves a team like this right now. We, while we are one of the best teams, we are still getting clowned on for not having fans. Like, okay, you can keep clowning on us. Like To me, it's like I'm glad that the media doesn't like us because it just makes everything that we're doing right now that much sweeter. Like, I'll take all of you know, all the joy from it if you guys don't want to partake because this team is amazing to watch right now. You know, it's so odd, 
oddly satisfying to be the only person like yelling and screaming in yeah. a bar that's quiet of the opposing team's fans. Like there's something so satisfying about being the only person that's celebrating in that bar. And even in the stadium, we were outnumbered, but it was awfully, awfully quiet around the the black all around the stadium. And you got our friend fans cheering. And we'll start the show out. The more games we win, the more fans we'll gain. Yeah. It's just a matter of time. And we've got the coaching staff in, in position. We've got the skill position players. We've got the, the quarterback. We've got the the rising stars on defense. It's just a matter of time till we gain that 2006 to 2010 fan base that we had back then. Yeah, definitely. So let's get into some of these stats. So the PFF team grades currently, the Chargers are 12th overall with the 77.3 overall grade. Our offense is ranked 7th best in the NFL, 79.6. Our defense is ranked 17th. Uh, and our special teams is ranked 23rd. Your top three offensive graded players, Jared Cook, 90.4, Corey Lindsley, 87.1, and Austin Eckler, who had himself a hell oh of a day, goodness. 85.6. Your top three defensive players, Joey Bosa had a 90.8. He was in the backfield a lot, causing a lot of chaos back there. Linval Joseph, 82.6, and Kyler Fackrell, 81.9. Forrest Merrill was also in there, but he only played three snaps. He got a tackle in one of those three snaps. Total yards, the Chargers had 380 yards. We had 212 yards passing, 168 yards rushing. The Raiders had just 213. 165 yards passing, 60 of those came on one play by Derwin James. So really... The Chargers' pass defense really stuck it to Derek Carr, and oh, they yeah. had just 48 yards rushing. The Chargers did have one turnover, a forced turnover, on a uh, Derwin James interception. Uh, we got hit with penalties again, seven penalties for 105 yards. Majority of those came on a Asante Samuel pass interference, which I'm okay taking. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. The Raiders had just six for 58 yards, so we're kind of right there with uh, the opposing team in terms of penalties. They are starting to still come down more and more. Uh, time of possession, the Chargers won 35 minutes to the Chiefs' 25. Justin Herbert was 25 of 38 for 222 yards. He had three touchdowns in the first half. I thought it was going to continue to just – I thought we were getting five. And honestly – uh, we had some shots that we missed that yeah. really could have improved his stats quite a bit. Uh, Austin Eckler was a force on the ground, 15 carries, 117 yards, one touchdown. He also had three receptions for 28 yards and a touchdown, 145 all-purpose yards. He's he's getting it through the air and on the ground. He was extremely, extremely effective on the ground. Yeah. Your top receivers, Jared Cook was 6 of 7 for 70 yards one touchdown, and then uh, Keenan Allen had seven for 10 or seven of 10 for 36 yards. Overall, your top two passing targets was not Mike Williams and it was not Keenan Allen. They were uh, pretty much kept at bay during the game. Mm -hmm. And then on defensively, Nasir Adderley, uh, I, uh, I did not update defense, so I don't have defensive stats for you. But we did have 22 pressures on defense. Bosa had seven by himself 
Tillery had four. We had four overall sacks, which is just a monster game. It's a, yes. it's a big reason I believe that Derek Carr was struggling as much as he did. Just four missed tackles. And then we allowed 14 pressures overall, six by Storm Norton, five by Filer. Yeah. And and so a lot. Uh, I want to say like half of those between those two players were just boneheaded, you know, mistakes. miscommunication. Communication, yeah, not speaking the same language. And, and we just didn't block some guys on those ones. So, yeah. and that's going to get ironed out. That is a new line coming together. And I have all the faith in Staley and the staff to, to get that figured out and ironed out moving forward. So let's talk about the good. What are some good things you can take away from this game? There's a lot of good to take away from this game. A lot, game. a lot. To me, the biggest thing that stood out to me is the coaching aggressiveness and, you know, just the creativity in our play calling, right? Hats off to Brandon Staley in his first primetime game. Everybody watching does not shy away from the competition, you know, does not shy away and puts together a fantastic game plan. Once again, he's only four games in and he has put together four great game plans for four good teams. And obviously, you know, the players, they're on the field, they have to execute. But I really think Staley's, decision to go for it on fourth and down at midfield with the Raiders storming right back into the game. You know, that was the call of the game, that decision. It goes a different way. That game ends very differently without that decision. In my opinion, we go for it on a second straight week. Staley comes up with a big decision to go for it. Decide to play for the win, which I love. We convert it, turned into seven points off the Austin Eckler 11 yard touchdown. And now we're on top of the AFC West, a large part due to that decision and, and decisions similar to that that he's made throughout the, the first four games of the season. I, I love the aggressiveness. You know, we, we went for a couple fourth down conversions, um, which we converted on. We almost had a third one on that fake punt, which is a great play. Campbell was wide open. I don't even think that was meant to be a fake play. I think it was one of those situations where you see a guy that's uncovered Raiders, I don't know what they were doing, honestly, because I don't know how you just miss a guy out there. And I think it wasn't a designed fake. I think it was a, oh, snap, situational football, get hit the ball out there. And Hunter Renfro, by the way. That was a hell of a play. How long until Hunter Renfro is a Patriot? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> that? Because he's he is a Bill Belichick smart type of player. And the way Hunter Renfro just saw that, he started creeping up like immediately. He saw the wide open player. It, and then he comes it, in and makes a huge hit on Tevin Campbell and forces it, that incompletion. Honestly, one of the Raiders' best plays of the night it, from Renfro. Yeah, it was. And it, it, he is just he's just a smart, instinctual player. I love Hunter Renfro. He plays for the wrong team. But going, <laughs> going back to Brandon Staley, like situational football. Time and time again, like Staley is making these game game decisions that are increasing the charges and chance of, uh, chances to win. You're, you talk about his aggressiveness to go on for it on fourth down. It's all about like the momentum and it being on his side that's making those decisions. He's and it's one of those things where like if converting improves the probability of winning more than not converting, risking the probability of losing, he's gonna go for it. Well, he's throwing on having... early downs. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm just saying we're having tremendous success going for it on fourth down. Why not continue that? I, I, I saw something on Twitter saying, you know, Brandon Staley trusts Justin Herbert more than Pete Carroll has ever trusted Russell Wilson. And that's just funny to me because <laughs> it's completely true. And you hear it in his press conferences. 
Staley has all the confidence in the world in Justin Herbert. And it shows when he continually goes for it on these crucial game changing type of decisions. Well, the entire team has that behind him, right? Like the entire team trusts each other, which is a big reason why they're winning these games. But going back to Staley, like he's throwing on early downs. One of the plays of the game that uh, calls of the game that I thought was throwing the challenge flag, but more than just throwing this challenge flag to, to steal that position did you notice how long he waited to do that, right? This is toward the end of the game, right? And he lets the clock run down. He lets the Raiders offense uh, come on and and try to, like, they motioned over. And he waited the very last second because if you're going to call that challenge, you're going to either waste the timeout or you're going to get the call in your favor, right? But the, the point in time that you do it, right, you want to call it right before the snap because you want all that clock to run off if you don't get it. And then if you lose the challenge, it's not a big deal because you, you're not calling a challenge for the offense or a timeout for the offense. If you lose, you're it's going to run all the way down in that play. It, it really doesn't matter, right? You're already up two touchdowns on, on in that situation. So the situational awareness of when to throw that challenge that flag, it's it's important. It means something, right? And then, uh, you know, lastly, that that pooch kick yes. field, out of the field goal formation, right? I mean, does the three points there, is it worth more than pinning them deep? It's not, right? You're no. already up two scores, right? It's one of those situations where you want to to pooch punt that and force a, you know, 90-yard drive versus uh, get taking the three points. And if you don't get those three points, you're giving them the ball at like the 35-yard line. It makes a lot of sense to do that. It's and, good. It, it doesn't make sense that we don't see it more. Like, I love that play. I loved it. One of the better plays that I, it, that play is so, and that, that's the creativity. That's the aggressiveness that I'm talking about. I thought we outcoached the Raiders, and that was a big part of this team win. I, they keep saying it. it was a team win. Everybody came to play, and that includes all the guys with headsets on. What else do you got good going for this game? The run game as just a whole, um, my boy Eckler, absolutely on fire. Um, Coming into the game, I needed 50 points from (laughs) Herbert and Eckler. And I was kind of like, I'm okay with it. I just want to win. You know, that's how I am anyway. Like, if the Chargers win, I don't really care what's going on in fantasy. But Eckler shows out. I needed him to outscore Herbert to win in my other league. He comes out with the best game of his career Chargers win, take the top spot in the AFC West. I also go 2-0 in my fantasy leagues. Love that. A big part I thought of our offensive success running the football was our offensive line came to play. In the run game, they were a force, just moving people. And Eckler had some big lanes to run through. You mentioned it, 117 yards. He's only ran for over 100 yards twice. This is the second time he's done it. It was great to see him, and it were just chunk plays, averaging 7.8 yards per carry. That's ridiculous. He had a couple 15, 20-yarder chunk, chunk yeah. plays right there. Just, you know, he almost broke one for like 60, 70 yards, which would have just totally gave you fantasy dominance for another oh, third touchdown. Yeah. Well, he's killing it for me right now, and and he and he almost got through that tackle. That was a, yeah. a tough open field tackle. Um, I, I think the last part of the run game that I – I thought was really important was the play of Larry Roundtree. You know, Justin Jackson started that game, but he got benched early on after just totaling negative four yards on three carries. 
did not look good. Roundtree came in, took 11 carries for 31 yards, and it was not a great game from like a yardage or like a, a, a fantasy standpoint. No, yeah. but I thought those touches from Roundtree were so valuable, you know, for a couple of reasons. Most importantly, it kept Eckler fresh, right? I thought he was hurt in the third quarter because you just didn't see him. Um, right. Which, which was wide by design. And he comes in in the fourth quarter and he closes it out in style. I thought that was awesome. You know, he struggled with injuries in the past. So it was nice to be able to give him a breather and keep him fresh during crunch time. The second reason I liked it is because Roundtree is just a lot more physical of a runner than Eckler is. And it, tackling a guy like Roundtree takes a lot out of a defense. And I'm not saying Eckler's not strong. You know, his nickname is pound for pound for a reason. But he's just a lot more elusive by nature. Most of his ends or most of his runs end with him avoiding most of the contact, right? Roundtree, I yeah, think. Yeah, he pinball. He it feels like he pinballs for. Yeah, right? is, he's is not taking he right, and he's not taking the brute of the you know the most the majority of the force. Roundtree, I think he almost looks for contact. He's like the type of guy that'll bust an open field, be an open field, and then cut back against the grain into pursuing defenders because he wants to hit people, right? And a lot of the time, he wasn't gaining a lot of yards. It was only two, three-yard runs, but he was hitting. He was getting. He was laying defenders out, and most of the time, the defenders that came to fill the hole were getting the worst of that interaction. So I love that. I just seen our run game come together with 168 rushing yards, 222 passing yards. That's as balanced as an offensive tack as you can get. So I feel like if our run game continues at this pace. I mean, with our pass attack that we've been having so much success with, this is, could be a very, very special offense moving forward. It's definitely something to continue to keep monitoring because I saw a tweet that we were like, I think it was from like Next Gen Stats or something where we had like a top five run blocking unit, yeah. right? And I, I can't remember exactly where I saw the tweet, but then you start looking at like our 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 offensive line, our run blockers, right? Lindsley, Filer, and Slater all graded over 80.0 run blocking grade. And they've been really moving people, especially Filer. Filer yes. has been moving people off the ball. Abushi has a, a couple. I, I know pancake isn't really a, uh, a run blocking stat typically. Right. But like he is, he is moving defenders off the ball and putting them on the ground. And he's doing it consistently. Our interior run blocking guys. I know Slater fits inside of that too, but our interior line there are some big bodies and they are moving defensive linemen off the ball and they're creating these opening, these lanes. You, you know, we talk about Eckler getting the 117 yards rushing on the ground, but so much of those yards comes from that offensive line because they really are moving people out of the way. And, you know, that defensive line that we face, uh, I, I don't think they're top of the line, but you know, they're, they're not, they're big boys. Those guys are getting moved off the ball and to be able to have that success is, it just says so much about that offensive line in front of them. Yeah. So next, I kind of want to talk about the Chargers run defense because yes, it has been greatly improved from, from weeks one to three, especially, right? So we had a, allowed over 180 yards in back-to-back -back games, and we didn't play all that well against the, the Washington front uh, in terms of, of our run defense either. Um you know, Forrest Miller just got three snaps and, and, and a, he got a tackle there. And I, I wish I would have got to see him play a little bit more toward the end of the game. Yeah. But it was it it, it was definitely a lot of 
it was refreshing to, to see us only allow 45 yards on the ground. And it, it was a, I think it was a big reason why we won this game. It was being able to force Derek Carr to throw more often because the running lanes weren't there. And, you know, Jerry Tillery, he, I still don't think he played all that well, but he played huh. much, much better against that, okay. that front. Um, he played much, much better against that front. Now, you know, you got Andre James and you've got two other guards there who aren't not at the top of their game by any means. And we're going to be playing next week. We'll talk about it here pretty soon. A much, much more physical offensive line. But he played better than he had uh, in, in previous games for sure. So that was something I, I noticed. And then Kaiser White and Drew Tranquil look like a dominant duo back there. He, I think that was also a big reason was them playing all of the snaps for them there. Yeah, that, that was a key I had, especially with so unfortunate canines on, on the injured reserve with that ankle injury. I hope he can heal up as soon as, you know, as soon as physically possible. But in the meantime, you said it, Tranquil and White feasted on those extra snaps. And I thought both in their own ways were very, very influential on this outcome. You know, Tranquil was second on the team with three total pressures and we were bringing him on blitzes. It seemed quite often. And I love that. Um, it really forced Las Vegas's line, which you mentioned, not very good. It gave Bosa a bunch of one-on-one opportunities on the edge against Alex Leatherwood. You saw the, the, a great egregious hold penalty that was missed most of the time. That's a good scenario to get your best pass rusher on one-on-one sitting in one-on-one matchups and bringing blitz, uh, bringing tranquil on the blitz. I thought allowed us to get pressure almost every time he blitzed then against the run. We were, we played the best game against the run against the Raiders. And it's so refreshing because we were just so awful those first three games. And to be able to hold the Raiders to 48 rushing yards in with in Josh Jacobs' first game back in, in two weeks, like that they had a lot of momentum. They should have done a lot better on the ground. We slowly bottled them up, and I think a lot of that had to do with Kaiser White. He made a lot of plays that he didn't get statistical credit for. You know, he I thought he was so disruptive. I thought he was as disruptive as any one defender, you know, behind Bosa. Um, he made a lot of plays for us and finished with four tackles, a tackle for a loss, and a team high three run stops. I, I thought those were key tackles too. Those are yes. really, really key tackles right behind the line of scrimmage, right at well, the line of scrimmage. The one right at the line of scrimmage. I thought he had a couple tackle for losses, and they were right back to back, and they were so key because it was early in the first half, and we were just, we. It was all Charger defense that first half. It was nice to see Kaiser White was a madman and loved to see, you know, loved to see his play coming together. He, he had a great offseason, had a great training camp, and he's now having, what you know, the start to a career year. It's awesome to see. My, uh, my last positive, uh, Justin Herbert's continuing to play mistake-free football, and I know he yeah. missed a, a couple. I know he, he had an 80-yard touchdown to Mike Williams that he let just get over Mike Williams' head. But overall, he's when his top two receivers were essentially locked down, and they were. Mm-hmm. He started spreading the ball out to his tight ends and his running backs yeah. out of the backfield. I know he only had like two hundred and like twelve yards, two hundred twenty-two yards, something like that. Uh, but his ability to, to spread the ball around outside of his top two targets that was super, super important to their overall uh, offensive success. He he had three touchdowns in the first half. 
and he definitely could have thrown for more. Um, they didn't need to. I feel like they really focused on the run game a lot heavier uh, than than maybe they had in previous games. And uh, the the only thing I wish we would have seen offensively is when Amik Robertson became their their CB two on the yeah. outside there. I really really wanted to take advantage of the size differential between Mike Williams, who is six four, and and Amik Robertson. I I think is five eight. Like that is such a a a mismatch just taking I know no we haven't been taking Mike Williams deep but that was the moment to do it because I feel like you could have really feasted in that situation well and on that big deep shot wasn't it not Robertson who who Williams beat off the line I can't remember who it was uh it might have been Robert Robertson either way Uh, it was early in the game though if I remember correctly so it might have been Trayvon Mullen before he went out Okay. But he he won that. So it could have been Hobbs too. I, I can't really um, remember. But there was way. there was definitely some opportunities where you had Mike Williams and Robertson matched up on the outside in cover three, and oh my gosh, that would have been a great moment to feast. But we didn't we didn't need it, so we moved moved on to something else. Well, and, and just the it shows Justin Herbert's level of maturity. You know how many young quarterbacks just focus in on their first read. And just have that problem for years, right? It just shows you how special of a, of a talent that we have in Justin Herbert. It's amazing. You can use anybody, right? And you look it back like Philip Rivers' days when we had injuries to Keenan Allen, and his top target was Eddie Royal, or yeah, you know, it, it Brandon Manu Maliuna. Like he, it Brandon, didn't matter who. Yeah, yeah. he made I anybody that look good. Day. That was a good one. I, just the last positive, I think we have to touch on. Joey Bosa's 50th career sack in his 67th game, becoming the fastest charger in franchise history to do it, passing Leslie O'Neill and the fifth fastest active player to reach that mark. Pretty dang awesome. That's dominant. And all of those players that are ahead of him are in the league right now. So it's like, you know, you had Von Miller, you had the Watt brothers, and I forget who the last, uh, Justin Houston. No, it was his brother. Oh, Nick Bosa. Yeah, it's, which that's, which that's insane that Nick Bosa. Yeah, no Nick way Bosa Nick Bosa has, has fifty. He has fifty. Yeah, I think it was the Watt brothers, not the Bosa brothers. No way. He's then the only, might have. No way no. because he's only played for one year and then he was injured last year. There's no way he's at fifty. And I must have just mixed up the names. I think it was AJ Watt and TJ Watt that it had the fifty. The and I think it was Justin Houston was the other one. Still insane, though. Insane I'm, by Joey Bosa to, to hit that, that quickly. Yeah, it was, it was the, Watt, the brothers. Watt brothers. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, there's no way he... That means he would have had, like, 50 last uh, in uh, his rookie <laughs> in year. season, like. yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, taking it back. I'm sorry. It's the end of my day, all right? I'm already you're a good, bro. deep, all right? Let's put that I'm out here. There. Sorry. I'm here to make sure you're not putting out I'm slightly dyslexic. Incorrect yeah. information. All right. It was anyway. It is his fiftieth. <laughs> the other, the other parts, I did fact check those. The rest of that, take that to the bank. That's factual. So the bad that I take away from this game, and really uh, take away from the season, Matt Filer, uh, it's it's been a common stay for him to have some miscommunication and pass protection. He's been giving up 
too many pressures from the interior there. I know he's moving guys off the ball. I went and started looking a little more into his stats. Uh, so he's allowed the second most sacks among guards in the NFL right now. And he's allowed 10 pressures, which is tied for 15th most. Now, I'm not too worried about the pressures or the sacks because I feel like it's a miscommunication thing between him and Slater, who's a rookie, where you're kind of looking at it. And I think he's looking for more help from the inside, whether that be a running back who's supposed to come fill inside or whether or not he's expecting the tight, uh, the tackle to slide in, Slater to slide in, and maybe that running back is supposed to, to block outside whoever that edge is. So I'm not too concerned about the three sacks because I think it's a miscommunication thing, something that's going to continue to get worked up. Uh, it is interesting that you're not seeing that from Odeobushi on the opposite side, which makes me think it's got to be like a, a rookie thing. Maybe those sacks are actually falling on uh, Slater, who's supposed to be coming in. I, it's all a running don't back put thing, that right? on my golden it child. Could. I'm, no, now, I'm totally don't get kidding. Me wrong. <laughs> Slater is totally killing it right now. He is be playing phenomenal right now. If he wasn't playing offensive tackle, he'd be a rookie of the year candidate right now. Chargers, we won our parade. <laughs> we want the parade. Rayshon Slater Day, make it happen. But Filer's miscommunication in pass protection, whether that's his fault or whether or not that falls in between him and Slater, it is something to continue to monitor as the season gets a little bit later. And it does seem like most of those pressures are coming out of the B gap, not the A gap, which means the, the communication between him and Filer is there. Um, it, it's something that I, I, I've started noticing as a trend especially when he has those three sacks allowed on him this year. So that's one negative I have. What do you got? To me, I really don't have a whole lot of negatives. Um, I I thought the off day from Keenan and Mike Williams was a little strange, especially because, you know, they only had three active cornerbacks to finish the game. So I I don't think it was necessarily a bad thing. I think it was mostly Justin Herbert being a good quarterback and finding other options. Um, So it's just not a positive that I took away from the game. I think the biggest negative is the play of Justin Jackson. Uh, What is that guy doing on the roster right now? I I don't know if he's not healthy or if he's just not being able to get in a rhythm, but he has not been playing very well. And right now, you know, I don't know why we have – both Josh Kelly, who hasn't played a single snap this year, and Justin Jackson on this roster right now when neither of them, well, one's not getting a shot to play, and then one is just not performing at all when he gets some snaps. Um, I started looking at Justin Jackson, right, some of those issues, and it seems like he's not hitting the hole. And when you look at he, the offensive line being that big move, moving group, yeah. you know, it's a it's a one-step go in and I feel like he's to try and play he's too hesitant he's looking he looks like a freshman he looks like a freshman in high school playing on varsity who's 80 pounds lighter (laughs) than anybody out there right he looks scared and it's something I've never seen so I I feel like it's it's all a mental thing like running back is a a rhythm you got to get into a rhythm and you don't get into a rhythm without a certain amount of, of touches right but it, it seems like it's beyond that because he's not even giving himself a chance to gain yardage. He, he's taking the ball and then just freezing like a deer in the headlights. It, it's embarrassing. I got the so I got the negative from Keenan Allen, and it's not be, that I think that he's playing badly because he's not. But he's dropped four passes this yeah. year, which is a league high, which is huh. abnormal 
for a superstar wide receiver. That's one of the, the, in, you know, similar to Matt Filer, where it's kind of like a season issue. It's not something I expect to continue. I, I maybe he just needs to hit the jugs machine for a good hour and just boom, boom, <laughs> boom, 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 you know, and it, it, all of the passes that he's missing, um, they're, they're kind of big plays. Like he had the yeah. third down conversion there. Uh, I know he had one drop that was like a, like it was kind of out on the right side, kind of, um, you know, intermediate to flat zone. Um, and I, maybe it's just one of those like quick look things where, you know, he turns around the ball's already there, which it's supposed to be. And he's just not expecting it. Right. Uh, but Keenan Allen four drops. It's not concerning because it's Keenan Allen. I think he's going to fix it. Uh, it's just weird because he had two drops all of last season and he's doubled that in four games this season. Yeah. Well, and yeah, not like you said, not somebody you would expect to make that type of mistake. And they're not, it's not, I feel like it's a whole lot less than these are all catchable balls. All four of those should be catches on his record. Right. Yeah. Those, and those are going to get tightened up. He's one of the best in the league. It's minor. To me, it's minor. And then the last one seems like it's going to be a common place the rest of the season. Storm Norton. Storm Norton, he's allowing a lot of pressures. I think we're kind of expecting this, right? Like you look at Michael Parsons, you look at Max Crosby. Storm Norton, was he was an issue during the preseason. It's an issue during the regular season. And it looks like he's going to be the starter for the next four to six games anyways because I think that they're really pushing Belaga to the back half. But as we kind of get deeper into this schedule, it's it's going to get easier for him because mm-hmm. this week is going to be really bad, and we'll get into it here in a minute against Miles Garrett. But he's been playing some premier pass rushers, you know, uh, Chris Jones, uh, Micah Parsons, who's a rookie, but he's super super talented, and he's a defensive candidate, defensive rookie of the year candidate right now, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Like his play a lot. But Storm Norton has been. Awful, 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 awful. Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Now, the most unique thing about sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever worn in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART. Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. 
Now, the most unique thing about sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever worn in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com, promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com, promo code IHEART. And it's not something I expect to get much better very quickly. I think that his level of competition is about to change. So that's what I'm hoping for. Any closing remarks on this awesome Raiders win? Yeah. Ha ha, Raider fans. <laughs> that's all I got to say. <laughs> Take your salty asses back home because – and, yeah, one more thing. I, I like how Derek Carr is allowed to talk shit, and then as soon as we beat him and Joey Bosa wants to say what he said, um, then the media and Derek Carr want to get all upset about it. it it's football, right? Grow some skin. If you can't dish it out, you know, if you can't take it, don't dish it out. And, um, you know, that's all I'm about to say about that. I, I'm just so sick of how about, that whole. How about Joey Bosa calling out the yes. rest during his interview? Oh, man. God, they were awful. That is a terrible job Egregious. by the rest. Egregious. Horrible. Oh my gosh. I thought that was hilarious when he was calling. And I'm assuming that's going to be coming with a fine. He's fine. He's so fine. He might be He's... fine for the. He might have to hit the Marshawn Lynch on the stand next time. Because... I feel like that put a target on his back. Now, rest are gonna oh, be like, all sure. right, I'm gonna be watching. Right, make sure you don't. You better play perfectly. Well, and the NFL is coming for his pocketbook for sure this week because yeah, he, you're not allowed to talk bad about the NFL. Oh, they're not. I just. Oh my gosh, I thought that was hilarious. Moving on to this Browns game. <laughs> So the Los Angeles Chargers play the Cleveland Browns at SoFi Stadium October 10th at 1.05 p.m. 4.05 Eastern Time. You can catch the game on CBS. And guess what? Zach. What? 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 I'll be there. I'll be there uh, probably yes. 10, 9, 8 in the morning as soon as I can get there. <laughs> I am there. I am so for this. This is my first home Charger game in my 27 years of existence. I am so stoked, excited, any other synonym for ecstatic you can think of. I am all that bottled up, so ready for this weekend. I am ecstatic to bring you to this game, show you this stadium because oh, it is phenomenal. Yes. It is phenomenal. We're going to be at, at the Charger Bolt family section. Yeah, We're going to be kind of near the end zone a little bit, uh, section 208. It's going to be a great time. I'll probably have to meet you in Thunder Alley, uh, and it's going to be a, a phenomenal event. I'm bringing some some friends of mine. They're Browns fans, unfortunately. Yeah. Luckily, I was able to stick them all the way up in the nosebleeds. Cause... Good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to hear that. I'm just kidding. But I'm no, so it's excited. Gonna, it's going to be so much fun. I'm so excited to bring you to this game. Let's get into the injury report. The Browns have a slew of injuries. It's really, it's it's a lot. I think most of them are going to play. Just taking a look yeah. at it, though, uh, the players who did not practice today, Jadavian Clowney, Tack McKinley, 
Troy Hill, Greg Newsom, Denzel Ward, Malcolm Smith, David Njoku, J.C. Trotter, and Jedrick Wills. You had three limited participants. Their offensive tackle, Jack Conklin, uh, linebacker Tony Fields, and Chris Hubbard, who's another tackle. And then Odell Beckham, I guess, has got some minor shoulder injury. He was a full practice today. Uh, for the Chargers, th- t- today they, they had a walkthrough pace, so this was like an estimate of what they expected had they had a full practice. Uh, Keenan Allen was a full participant. Austin Eckler would have been a full participant. Uh, Chris Harris Jr., Justin Jackson, and Derwin James were all limited. Maybe that explains a little bit of Justin Jackson. I think he had like a, a groin injury, which is like a common say for him. I feel like that's been on the injury report the last four years that Justin Jackson's been on this team. Uh, Derwin James still struggling with the toe injury. I'm assuming it's turf toe, which sucks. Um, I am kind of concerned because this is four weeks in a row that Derwin James has had that toe injury. Hopefully it doesn't aggravate it, but it is something to monitor. And then Drew Tranquil was out with, uh, he was there with an illness. Uh, it wasn't like a uh, injury. It was more of an illness. He would have been a full participant today as well. Offensively, the Browns, they have one of the best rushing attacks in the NFL. We all know Nick Chubb is one of the best. Kareem Hunt was, if you go back to Kareem's Hunt day with the Chiefs, Kareem Hunt is just an animal. He would be a starter for 90% of the teams in the NFL just because he just has a combination of power, agility, he's got speed, catches passes out of the backfield. Honestly, it's, it's kind of surprising to see two running backs of this caliber on the same team. But then when you add in the fact that the, the Browns really have what I think is one of the best offensive lines in football, really it's, it's, it's their bread and butter. It's how they play football. They are a, you know, 21, 22, uh, you know, personnel package. They, they come in out in two tight end cents. They have a true fullback and they run it down your throat, which is concerning to me because I feel like that's not how the Chargers defense is built. And I think it's going to be a big issue come Sunday when the Browns are, are rushing the ball 30, 35, 40 times a game because that's that's how they're built overall. Uh, they'll, they'll come out in formations where they got Chubb and Hunt in at the same time and they're faking to Chubb and they're handing off to Hunt out of the backfield. Uh, they'll do screens out of that and, and push it off to uh, Hunt as well. And the only positive I can take from this offense is one, they, they are a little beat up. There's no Jarvis Landry there. Uh, they have some young wide receivers. Donovan Peoples-Jones has been impressive. Uh, Anthony Schwartz has speed. Uh, ultimately, Baker Mayfield is is where I want this ball. I want it in his hands. If we can get out in front in a hurry, we can get up by you know two scores. You're going to force them into empty sets, and that is not their strength. And that's how you beat them is you got to start off fast and not let them uh, have to not let them control the clock, not let them play their style of game. That's my opinion on their offense. That's how you beat them. You got to get out to a hot start and force them to play from behind. I agree with you. Um, defensively, I think that's the key to the game. Stopping, well, trying to contain this ridiculous run offense. And even after our great showing against the Raiders, we are still one of the worst teams against the run. And now going up against, you said it, the premier running attack in the NFL with Kareem Hunt and and Nick Chubb. Four games already, they have 708 rushing yards. League lead, on pace for 3,000 yards on the season. 
that is an absurd number. Only three teams have done that ever. The last was 2019 Ravens, and before them was the Patriots in 1978. And I couldn't find the first team, but I'm pretty sure that it had to have been before the forward pass was allowed because that's just a ridiculous amount of running rushing yards. And Staley's defense, I think it our our defense and their running attack is a very disadvantage. You know, a, a, puts us at a disadvantage because of how Staley runs this defense. He likes the light box. Most of the times we have five DBs on the field. And I think we're going to have to change that at least a little bit. Maybe some more traditional sets with some four D linemen. I'm not really sure exactly what the solution is, but I'd like to see a little less of the nickel just because I don't think you need five DBs to beat the Browns, right? They've only managed 849 passing yards, the seventh worst through four games. And I think, honestly, OBJ is one of the most overrated players in the league. I thought he had a, a one elite season. He made a really good catch, and I think he's been riding that hype ever <laughs> since. You know, This is a league about all about what have you done for me lately. And I feel like in OBJ's case, since he's been rocking the Browns jersey, he has not played great. Um, you mentioned it. Landry's still on the injured reserve. And behind them, this – receiving core is respectable but it doesn't instill any type of fear in me especially after you know we have locked down the likes of terry mclaurin omari cooper cd lamb tyreek hill and most recently hunter renfro and henry ruggs you know to win this game on sunday i think we win by getting up big and forcing the browns to pass the ball you know I, i'm hoping for a big performance from our run defense i'm not saying stack you know the box or even go goal line every time I'm just saying, let's bring in some more big bodies. I want to see some Joe Gazzano. I want to see some Fajoko, you know, some more Ferris, uh, Forrest Merrill, Justin Jones, if we can get him back. Because, you know, I really respect the Browns running game. I, I Without Landry and the passing game, this the Cleveland passing attack is embarrassing, to be completely honest. When I'm looking at their offense and our defense, I feel like a 5-2 is, is the way you go. You put yeah. Limbaugh Joseph out there. Uh, Justin Jones, I think, just hit injured reserve, so he's going to be out. So you got Jerry Tillery uh, out on one end, and then on the other, you're going to have some combination of Christian Covington. Uh, maybe Forrest Merrill will uh, um, give some breathers to Linval Joseph. Yeah. Uh, you're going to have Joe Gaziano there, and then you're going to have your four edge rushers out there. Really, this is a game where you're not playing Chris Rump very often at no, all, no. if at all. Well, yeah, it's just not a good game for him. Like, and we don't need the nickel back. That nickel guy needs to be a bigger body, either a big linebacker or a D lineman. It's an extra lineman, I think. Yeah, based I, off of based off I like of that. based off of what you see, you're going to see like more of a true three four alignment, mm-hmm. right? But yeah. instead of it being like a traditional three four, it's going to be more like a five two, right? You're going to put Bosa on the outside on the line, not. Maybe, I don't know, we'll probably stand him up a little bit more. Uh, I'd really like to put his hand in the dirt uh, and and really play more of a traditional 5-2, let Tranquil and, and Kenneth Murray kind of play a little more free in this game. But, man, I'm expecting – I'm not expecting success, to be honest, against this run game because we haven't seen it against three inferior uh, defensive lines. We saw it against the Raiders. Uh, but we did. We haven't seen it against the Washington football team. We didn't see it against the Chiefs, which 
honestly, that's not even a, a really good run blocking unit anyways. And we, we gave them so many yards on the outside. Um, I'm, I'm expecting close to 200 yards rushing Ooh. being realistic about it. Cause if we I allowed mean, 180 twice against, you know, the chiefs, we allowed it. And then we also allowed it against the uh, Cowboys. This is a better unit than both of those. I totally see us allowing massive amounts of yards on the, on the ground. That's I me mean, being realistic. No. Just, and I think, I mean, that's a good estimate. I mean, they average 177 on the year. And, you know, they played the Chiefs, which wasn't great, but they played Houston. They played some decent defenses, and they are just – they are a hard unit to stop. You mentioned the the offensive line. We haven't even mentioned their um, their fullback. What's his name? Janovich. That guy's a, a body, too, when when they get him in, in eye formations and stuff. So uh, it, it's they're, what they're good at on offense is exactly what is our Achilles heel on defense. So – yeah, I'm all with it. Get, get some big bodies, some run defenders up in there, and we're not going to stop them. Let, we just need to slow them down, get up big offensively, and yeah, force them into throwing the ball more than they want to. When it comes to the defensive side of the ball, you, it starts with Miles Garrett, right? Oh, and gosh. Miles Garrett, I think he might be the best pass rusher in the NFL right now. He really is. He takes over games in ways that you're not seeing too many guys do it at least at this point in the season. Uh, but really, all across the board, and I texted you about it earlier, the, the Browns have quality players yeah, all yeah. over their roster. And then they also have, like, really strong depth at it. I mean, they got four solid ed- edge rushers. They've got four quality defensive tackles. They've got four quality linebackers, four quality corners, and then three safeties. Any one of those guys go down with injury – it's not even like an issue to them. Let, let's, I mean, let me just talk about it. You got Miles Garrett, Malik Jackson, Blake McDowell, and Jadavian Clowney. You also have Tack McKinley and Joe Jackson and Andrew Billings and Jordan Elliott, all mostly young guys for the most part, but all quality depth pieces there. You got your, your will. And by the way, Jeremiah Owusu-Kormoa isn't even listed as a starter. And I think he could be a starter for half those teams. Yeah. Mac Wilson, Malcolm Smith, Sione Takitaki. And then you got Jeremiah Wusukumaro, who really can just play multiple positions. He can play safety. He could play edge. He could fill in for the the will. I that's see a lot of boy. He is my boy. And to be honest, he's really similar, really, really similar to Derwin James in just terms of that physicality, that positionless player. He could play any position. I, he's a little bit bigger than Derwin, but he's yeah. got that same playmaking ability. We read, I've been, I've been talking about. Job for, for a while for yeah. forever. I wanted us, and I love Asante Samuel Jr. I think Cormo is a better player just overall in everything he does. He's also like second on their team in tackles, and he's not even listed as a starter. That says so much about his ability. But then you look at their corners: Denzel Ward, Greg Newsom. I mean, Denzel Ward was a a defensive rookie of the year candidate. And then Greg Newsom's a rookie, and he's playing in front of Troy Hill, who had a phenomenal season with the Rams last year. Greedy Williams was a first-round pick, right? You got three first-round picks at cornerback right there. And then Troy Hill, who probably was the best slot corner in all of football last year. They handed, they got Ronnie Harrison from the, the Jaguars for like a fifth or sixth-round pick, like something like, Dirty, like nothing, worth nothing. 
But behind him is Grant Delpit, who I think was an early second round, maybe a first round draft pick from LSU. Part of that, that the best college football team ever. John Johnson came over from the Rams as well. So you got familiarity between him and, you know, Troy Hill. That, that team is so stacked and young on that defensive side. And I think that's what you kind of have to take advantage of is that young, maybe, you know, especially when we're coming out in all these different formations, you're going to get some young guys confused there. That is a good group on defense. And as that, as they continue to grow together, as, as they get into their second, third years, that's going to be a scary defensive unit. Well, I agree with you. I mean, I was telling you how much I respect this defensive, just the roster. Um, but I think we got them on a, a pretty decent week. You know, I, I really think we're going to get a bounce back game from both Keenan and Mike Williams because Greg Newsom has already been ruled out for this weekend. That's huge. Didn't even see that. Yeah, he's out. Uh, their best corner in Denzel Ward didn't practice today. Troy Hill's still questionable. So the, just the fact that they aren't playing or aren't practicing, it, it just shows you they're not completely ready to go. And so they're not but, healthy overall, right? No, no. And so to me, you got an untested corner in my opinion, Greedy Williams, who I, I I like. I think he has all the makeup in the world to be a good corner in this league. But, you know, there's a reason he's not starting. He's underdeveloped. He's young. He's still coming along. And for me, if I'm the Chargers, I'm greedy. I'm getting greedy. I'm going right after greedy. Right? I'm targeting him as much as I can because I think it's a mismatch for us that we could can exploit throughout this game. Because as good as the Browns' defense has been this season, I feel like our best players are just healthier than their best players. And at this point, I really think this game is going to come down to superstar firepower. And right now, I like our offense over their defense off a simple health factor. We're healthier right now than they are. And I think that's going to be big. I feel like Keenan's going to get back on track with another hundred yard game. And I think you can count for at least two or three game changing catches from Mike Dub on the outside as well. I, I like that. So you're right. We did get them on a good week, right? When you look well, as good as you can get them, right? Like yeah. the, the, the second, the next best scenario would be they're all out. But right. it's, that's just not realistic to hope for. Well, and I don't ever want to hope for that either. No, so I want to play teams at their best because it lets me know if we are at our best, right? Exactly, exactly. What is your offensive matchup to watch? Um, so that that's my 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 watch. My matchup was the Keenan and Mike redemption game on extremely healthy secondary. I think it's good, and I thought I I just thought Keenan. Mike had a little off nights against the Raiders. I do. And I just don't see them both having off nights again against the Browns. So offensively, I'm, I want I want to get our, our best wideouts more involved than they were against the Raiders because I, I think we're going to go up against their, you know, I don't think we're going to get their top two corners this week in Denzel Ward. And like I said, Newsom's already out. I, I really am looking forward to Rayshon Slater versus Miles Garrett. Cool. Granted, Rayshon Slater has played exceptionally well this year against some pretty above average to, to borderline two elite talent. I mean, Chase Young, you have to call him elite because based off of what you've seen in the small sample size, he's an elite player, right? But as as lights out as Rayshon Slater has had, he's only allowed six pressures in four games against the likes of Max Crosby, Chase Young, Montez Sweat, 
Micah Parsons, Chris Jones, who is playing out of position, but he's still Chris Jones. Yeah. And Rayshon Slater has nearly eliminated all of them. No sacks allowed on the year, one hit. The rest have just been pressures. And how many of those pressures actually fall on Justin Herbert, right? But Miles Garrett is a different kind of animal. He's yeah. a different breed of man. He is the premier of the premier talents, like top 1% of players in the NFL. And to see Slater go up against that kind of talent is going to really, to me, it's going to project his career. Let's mm-hmm. be real here. This is that type of game. It's a, it's a career defining game for a player to tell you who is this player going to be for the rest of their career as a rookie. And this is that matchup that I'm going to be watching purely. Like you're going to, I'm going to be staring at our left tackle (laughs) during the rest of the play. I'm not even going to see where the ball goes. I'm going to be looking directly at Slater to see how does Slater handle the best of the best, the, the cream, the creme de la creme. Let's talk, right. That's what I'm looking for. That's what I want to watch. Tell me what you see on defense. Tell me what you're about to say right now. Well, I was just going to basically agree with you. Miles Garrett is an absolute animal, right? This Cleveland defense is, we've played some good units. This Cleveland defense is the best defense we have gone up against this season. There's a reason they are second in the league with 14 sacks. In four games, 14 sacks. That is ridiculous. A lot of that has to do with the phenomenal play of Miles Garrett. Joey Bosa is second in the league right now with 22 quarterback pressures. Right behind him with 21 is Garrett. But the difference is Bosa's pressuring the quarterback. Garrett's finishing quarterbacks. He leads the league with six sacks, also has seven tackles for loss, which is also tied for the league lead. The dude just wrecks games. Uh, I thought, you know, you mentioned it, the, the talent that, uh, Slater has already gone up against so far this season. It's it's good. It's not Miles Garrett. Like this dude is fast and powerful. You don't make people like him. Have you seen? Did you see him this week with with no sleeves? <laughs> you see that he also got drug tested. That's what I was talking about. First <laughs> career game goes off. Wears no sleeves. He is yoked out of his mind. He Absolutely is. ripped. And NFL sees it. Pops him with a performance enhancing test. Like the guy is not juicing. He is yoked out of his mind. He is one of the strongest individuals I've ever seen, but he's not on performance enhancers drug. This, this is going to be a tough matchup for the offensive line because miles Garrett is is just a different breed, man. Off topic, a little bit on topic, off topic. (laughs) Did you know what miles Garrett majored in? Is it like, I know he's into dinosaurs. I don't know exactly what he majored in. He's an archaeologist. He's like a yeah. legit archaeologist. I, I wanted to say that. I, I know he loves dinosaurs. It's like one of his <laughs> th- I remember I remember him coming out and just being like, I love this guy. Because he had he was different, right? He's like I still love this guy. To super, be honest. I do. I, I think he's like everything I like in an athlete, right? Just he's different. It, it, he's like a good gifted. person character wise. I right. know you everyone talks about the helmet being swung. Yeah. Heat of the moment type of situation. He got a huge fine for that. To be honest, that doesn't deter me from his personnel. I think he is no. an awesome human being. He's super fraternal, super involved in his community. I love Miles Garrett. I love his personality. I love everything about him. He's just an animal. He's a monster. And I really hope he has a really bad game. <laughs> <this week. laughs> me too. <'cause, laughs> yeah. 
he's one of those guys you 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 can't like not root for except when he's playing your favorite franchise of all time yeah i love the guy i hope he has a great career just not to not next week my defensive matchup is going to be nick chubb and cream hunt against mm. some combination of drew tranquil kaiser white and i want to see derwin james in the box this is the week to play some some similar style of defense yeah. to gus bradley and that is it this is the only week you you play that cover three high, you show it, bring your, your safety into the box, fill the box because that's their style. That's how you beat them. Um, the, the bolts should legit, they should play like a legit three, four defense against the Brown. I was talking five, two, this is a, that you're going to be in base defense a lot against this team. Yeah. Cause they're going to be in those two tight end sets. They're going to be, they'll probably even bring two tight end two fullback and just throw one wide receiver out left or, or right. That's that's their style of game. And it's going to be a big matchup for Drew Tranquil and Kaiser White to sniff through the traffic and get to yeah. the running back. And I'm worried about it. I, I honestly am. And I'll talk about it in my prediction just after you tell me about your defensive matchup. I honestly think on the outside, we – we are way better than they are. And I'm talking about their receivers compared to our cornerbacks. I think where they are, their strength has to do everything in the box with their line and their running backs. I think as soon as you get outside of the the down linemen, that's where we're going to shine. I don't expect OBJ to get more than three or four catches. I, I don't expect people's Jones to have a good game. I really think our DBs as good as they have been playing are going to absolutely just embarrass this Cleveland receiving core. Cause I, like I said before, I am just not afraid at all. Like I don't think OBJ is good. I thought he was good in 2017 or whenever he had that catch, by the way, that was a great catch. Cromartie has already done that 10 years ago, <laughs> way better catch against a way better player. So uh, well, uh, yeah, so that that's kind of where I'm at. I want to embarrass OBJ. I want to expose him as the most overrated player in football right now. And I, I just, I, I see a big game from our DBs. I just don't see them matching up with us like at all. I just don't think they're on our level. When it comes to those, and I, let's be real here. OBJ was phenomenal for like three years from like 15, 16, and 17. Yeah. Once he left, he, he got injured one year with yeah. the, the Giants, and then he left and he got injured again, and then he had some decent – but ultimately he's not playing in a style of offense that fits his skill set, which is why I, I still think he's a premier talent. Yeah, I, I don't think that they get him the ball because you're you're just running play action and throwing into the flats, or you're running play action sure. and you're throwing drags, and you're not taking advantage of the deep ball, the speed – I think some of those injuries have caught up with OBJ and that's, I mean, he, 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 uh, what is the ankle injury uh, that is like a a career killer? Um, The back of your ankle. Achilles. Achilles. Yeah. The Achilles. And that Achilles injury really sapped so much of his strength, so much of what he made him so good. Right. He's still, you're still seeing practice and making these crazy one-handed grabs but he's not doing it in the games because he's not getting the shots. Well, and you know, Baker Mayfield's throwing yeah. the ball 20 times a game. That's it. Like, I, I think that's, I mean, and that's it because what made Odell great, right? That elite, elite athleticism that he showed for those three years with the Giants. They call the Achilles 
tendon tear like that is brutal you see it across the board where it just erases guys um athletic ability and people overcome it you got freaks like kobe who overcame an achilles you have freak athletes like kevin durant who overcame an achilles but they're basketball elite. totally different though you know what i mean but that's what i'm saying it, they, and even then they are the in the minority like that is not a common injury to recover from at all to be able to play at a professional athletic you know level it's not and being in football being a contact sport being yeah, like it, the cuts that you make like basketball okay well you and do cut but not to the degree that you do in football receiver, where you're throwing no. all of your weight onto one foot and you're cutting you at don't have that ability. going exact opposite yeah being you hear it all the time his ability to plant his foot and go the other direction you lose almost all of that coming back from an achilles tear do so, me a favor if you're if you're listening to this podcast feel down to your achilles oh, my and they feel already hurt. how <laughs> feel how strong of a tendon that is and then imagine trying to rebuild that like your achilles like people can't walk for no, for six I've, months to a year they can't even walk that is such a strong and valuable that's probably the most valuable tendon in your entire body that's why it's called the achilles right right Right. Well, and you've seen the nasty ones. It just rolls back up into your hamstring when it completely snaps. Yeah, like it, it is brutal, brutal injury. So to recover from that, you never. I don't feel like you ever truly do. It's a you're it's never a the same. Ender. You're ne- you're never the same, and you know you're never the same. And I think we're seeing it with OBJ, and maybe honestly, at this point in his career, maybe the Browns' offense is the best place for him because he could still get targeted every once in a while make a, a good play every once in a while, but he's not X to do it like he would be right now if he was still in New York. What's your prediction for this this game? Who Who's going to win this game? What's the score going to be? Well, Chargers are winning the game. I think it's just a matter of, of how much and how much defense we get. I, I think it's going to be one of those 24-14, 21-10 games. I, I think there's only going to be like four or five touchdowns total. I, I really do just with these defenses. And I just feel like if we do get up by, if we do get up big against the Browns, we aren't going to be orchestrating these quick, quick um, drives to score the ball and get the ball. If we get up by, I think a couple of scores, we're going to kind of try to do something similar, run the ball, run the clock and not give them the ball because what they do is just eat clock with that run game, right? They, they're, so I, I I think it's going to be a defensive battle. I'm going to go with 24-14 Chargers in my first time in the building. Don't let me down bolts. Well, I'm going to break your heart. I don't do this too often, but I think this what? is a game that the Chargers drop. If there is a what game that the cry. Chargers are going to drop, it's going to be this Browns team because I feel like defensively they're not built for this mm. team. And I'm being realistic, right? I'd That's love to fair. see the Chargers win. But if if I'm looking at the schedule and I'm looking at the four games that the Chargers are going to lose, this is one of them. Yeah. And I think it ultimately comes down to their style of defense versus the the Browns offense. And it's just it's a weak point for us. It really is. If If you're going to lose to any type of team, if the Chargers are going to lose to any type of team, it's going to be a run-heavy team. I think we're built much better for the pass. I think our linebackers are built better for it. 
Drew Tranquil, Kaiser White, they do play a run just fine, but I feel like their skill sets in the pass game. We've got go. our, our slot corners. we got our corners, our secondary, which is very good. But ultimately, our defensive line, our de- interior defensive line has been struggling against average to above average. But this is elite offensive line. And and I think that this is the game we lose because I just don't think we're built for it. Well, and, I, I finish your statement. And I just think that's our weakness to this team. I have us losing 17-14. And I think a major driver of that, it's going to be a low-scoring game. The the Browns have been controlling the clock. They've had yeah. above 35 minutes. They've had 40 minutes in one game this season controlling the clock. Their only game that they didn't control the clock against was the Chiefs who beat them in week one. And that's our Achilles heel. I don't think we're built to control the clock. I think we're built to score and score fast, score methodically. If we can, our key to the game to winning this, if we have any hope for winning, it is ultimately going to be getting out into a a lead quickly, get a quick turnover. If we get up 14-0 like we did last week, they have no chance in returning. Well, here I I agree with most, I agree with like about half of what you said. I do think they are very good on paper. They are a good matchup against us. I'll tell you why we are going to win this game. Because it is going to be a close game. Both defenses are going to show out, and it's going to come back. It's going to come down to quarterback play. We have an elite one. I think they have an average one in Baker Mayfield, and I think it's going to come down to execution in the fourth quarter. I like a lead because if you put the ball in pressure and Baker on Baker Mayfield, he's going to throw a game-ending interception. I don't think that same way about Justin Herbert. I think if the situation is reversed, we're going to see one of his most epic comeback drives of his young career. To me, that is the separator. I think both teams have elite defenses. I think Cleveland's going to finish the year with the best overall defense. I think the Chargers are going to be a top five unit when it's all said and done. I feel Justin Herbert's going to be a top five quarterback. I feel like Baker Mayfield's 15, 16, if I'm being nice. And you know what? I think that the Chargers are going to show out at SoFi Stadium. Let's Zach Alfers will be here. Oh, oh, this oh. isn't a Baker Mayfield commercial. No. Where he's he's putting seat covers out yeah. on his stands in the I don't rain. Want to hear all of that talk. Yeah, I don't care about your house. By the way, that's yeah. I'm so over <laughs> Baker Mayfield. I think he's going to be doing a whole lot of this. His uh his crazy out of control run, but it's going to be in play, running away from Joey Bosa, Nomosu, and the Kyle Fackrells. I'm pumped, dude. Um, I cannot, I, I think, you know, thinking of it more logically, maybe I would pick the, the Browns to win, but I am going all fandom today. We are winning 24, 14. I'm ready to take that ticket to the bank. Take me to Vegas because I just so went lucky. to Vegas. I yeah, went to I Vegas this weekend. I went and put $50 on Justin that. Herbert to win the MVP. That's it's going to pay me $1,500. And I also put $50 on the Bolts to win the Super Bowl. That will pay me another oh. $1,500. I was going to put the parlay together because, well, I thought I was going to be that risk. But turns out I'm a little more risk averse than that. <laughs> Granted, if I would have got the parlay, it would have paid me $23,000. But you know what? I'll take one or the other. If I get both, I still get paid three grand. It would have paid go. me twenty three grand if both would have happened. But ultimately, 
We will be at the game. I'm excited to yeah. bring you to the game, Zach. I'm excited for you to see SoFi Stadium. I will meet you in Thunder Alley at around 11, 1130. We'll get some drinks. We'll go into the game. And we're just right. going to have a blast, man. I so I haven't I honestly haven't had slept through the night since for the last 10 days. Like I I I get very very anxious and not even just anxious, just so excited that I I can't turn my mind off and I've haven't slept well in 10 days. So I'm excited for this game. So after the fact I can go to sleep, get some good night's sleep. Also, I'm so excited to just soak it's, it all in. It looks so much fun every every weekend. I, I just can't wait to it's only Wednesday, man. You I got know. another four days and you're already not sleeping. I got a haircut today. Um, my shock therapy merch came in the mail today, which I got two shirts. I'm going to be wearing one of those when I come down there underneath my uh, Derwin James jersey. So I am you know, ecstatic. I, oh, you're making me feel be, that because I don't dude, got any merch of our own merch. Yeah, go get pick it up. Hit our link. It's twenty five bucks for a sweet shirt. Says shock therapy on it, and you gotta support us. What What else can you want? I gotta support us, man. I gotta yeah. get myself a shirt now. Probably not gonna come in time, but I will get myself a shirt. Maybe a hat. I was thinking about making some stickers. Maybe giving those out to some free giveaways. I'm also thinking about doing a Hunter Henry signed jersey giveaway. I know he doesn't play for the Bolts anymore, but I got sure, this jersey. That signed and i'm thinking of a way to kind of give it away to our fans uh i'll think of something sooner or later but i think we're done for the day thank you guys so much for listening feel free to give us a a review don't forget to subscribe i feel like i never ask people to subscribe subscribe to the podcast if you like our work leave us a review and we will see you guys at the game and we will talk to you guys next week it's going to be a great episode thank you so much Bolt up over and out.